Hey everyone, welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so glad that you are joining us. We are finishing up a series on finding the balance, and we spent the first three weeks kind of talking about some really important theological issues that too often we just kind of think we oversimplify and take a a simplified position that kind of puts us in one camp and we're against another camp, when really the issue is significantly more complex. And if we're really going to understand who God is and who God wants us to be, we've kind of understand that it's a complex issue. We got to find the balance between two different truths that sometimes they feel like they don't go together, but they do. And we can put these together in a good way. It kind of helps us just understand more fully who we are, who God is, and who God's called us to be. And in the three uh, weeks since, we've been kind of looking at more moral issues that kind of can just be really complicated and can be really hurtful and can be really <sighs> destructive, really. I mean, alcohol can be a really destructive issue. You over overindulge can be a real problem, but if we can also be something that's real divisive and we can take a real arrogant, judgmental position on it that you really can't justify with the scriptures. And we've got to find a healthy balance in being who God has called us to be and have a proper attitude towards one another with that. And then last week we talked about money, avoiding greed and avoiding kind of having this discontentment where I must and always have more, but also like not if I not also kind of from a place of of poverty or having less than having a real judgmental attitude about people who have something different than we are, but really understanding I'm not going to be greedy, I'm not going to strive for more. I'm going to be content with what I have. And also be content that what you have is different than what I have. And so just kind of finding a good, healthy spot there for us and these kind of two really complicated issues, alcohol and money. And today we're going to finish up with sex. And I really do. I believe these three moral issues are the three that probably end up dividing us the most, causing the most conflict, and are also just kind of the biggest off-ramps from the life that we feel like God's calling us to lead. Like, we become, we think we're God's going to make us this one person and an issue with greed or discontentment um, derails us. We think we're going to be this one person and an addiction to alcohol or just a really judgmental kind of spirit about alcohol can really bring a, a divisive heart and can cause a problem. And I don't have to spend five seconds here in this podcast to, to tell you that sex can become a real problem with Christian leaders, with churches. I mean, it's all over the news. I mean, you know, it could have happened on a different week, but it, it just so happens as it happens every year. It's because it happens all the time. Just even right now, one locally here in Northwest Arkansas and one nationally, we've got, we've got two headlines that are going right now of pastors who have done something inappropriate. And having an unhealthy perspective on sex, acting out in inappropriate ways, I mean, it just causes problems all the time. And a lot of it, it just kind of comes from an unhealthy perspective about sex. And I think it is the number one thing, really, that is, that is derailing us. And so I will tease the next series for the next three weeks. I will be interviewing, kind of interacting with Brandy Harris. She is someone who goes to the Grove, wife of Cass, our worship pastor, but an incredible leader in of herself has taught some classes for us at the Grove, is a licensed therapist, and is an incredible godly woman with some incredible insight on sex and sexuality. So a little bit, I'm kind of, this is kind of a transition week. And we talk about kind of having a healthy balance on this issue. And then even in the talking about it, even in some of this, I'm going to say some things 
that you're going to feel unsatisfied with. It's like, oh, I need to know more what he means by that. It's actually, I want to talk about that some more. And then Brandy and I kind of launching a new series. We'll spend three weeks just kind of talking about this issue more in depth. Because if what I said is true, it is the top thing that is derailing Christians the most, then we better be talking about it a whole lot more than what we do. So we'll start that today is kind of talk about this healthy balance and perspective on it. And we'll start kind of with kind of just kind of the go-tos, right? I mean, you say, what does the Bible say about sex? Right? You, don't, you don't have to have been to the youth group too many times, the college ministry too many times, you know, been to church too many times where they talk about what the Bible says about sex to think, oh, I know what the Bible says about sex. It says don't. It says sex is bad, sex is dangerous. These are, these are the things that we think the, that we say the Bible says, and we, and we focus on that. We focus on all of the things. There's a lot of don't commands in the scripture around sex. And I'm not going to say that they're not there, that they, they, they are, but our, our problem is we think that's the only thing that it says, but I don't want to start with what it doesn't say or the other things that it says. Let's just start again with what most of us kind of understand that the Bible says about, about sex. So again, you just kind of, you just, just choose, just, you know, just throw, a, throw a dart at the dartboard and pick one of the verses. Hi, right, here's one. Ephesians 5.3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. The acts of the flesh that, that Paul talks about right before he talks about the fruit of the spirit, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Hebrews 13, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. We just verse after verse. And so then he's like, okay, well, what, what is the sexually immoral? What does it mean to be impure? What does sexual immorality look like? And I'll say this, I'll say it in just kind of a clear, concise way. And talking about this more will actually be the first, the, just join us next week as we start the new series. We're going to talk about what I mean by this more in depth and get Brandy's thoughts on it. The Bible describes, like, as far as a healthy expression of having sex, it just says that there's really one real healthy expression of that, and that is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. So there's lots of different pieces of that. Marriage, yeah, as opposed to before marriage or while you're married to somebody else, a husband and a wife in marriage, and that says something about LGBT issues. And that may be offensive or confusing to you. And I don't want to just say it and then just just kind of move on. But I am for now. But you can wait a week. Or if you're not listening to this as they're being released, then just finish this and keep going. And we we talk about that some more, kind of how this interacts and interfaces with LGBT issues. Um, But this is what the Bible says. And so anything outside of that, kind of expressing sex, having sex outside of that, is considered impure. And, and so then that's why we kind of have some of the problems or issues or things that are said in youth group. When you're having talks at the youth group or the college ministry or whatever, the emphasis is don't, don't do it. It's don't, 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 don't. And, you know, because, you know, people in the youth group aren't married. And so you focus essentially then on what the Bible says about what you're not supposed to do. But I want to make sure that we're all clear that, that, I mean, I guess to a degree, I, and I, I agree with the theology behind it anyway, maybe not necessarily the heart behind it. And, 
and that, and that there is the healthy expression of sex is between a husband and wife in the context of marriage. And anything other than that is, is an unhealthy expression. So again, you see things all the time in the news. Pastor has to resign, a scandal within a denomination, and it comes from stepping outside of those boundaries. Pastor having an affair um, or worse, um, a non-consensual sexual interaction with someone else. And so, and, we, and, and, and there are these problems. These problems arise all of the time from an indulgence in sex outside of God's boundaries. And it, it just always causes problems. And it will lead some people to think, well, maybe we should just kill the boundary and declare everything to be okay. Well, certainly there's some things you just can't declare okay. Sex with minors being one of them, non-consensual things being another. And so even if we decided that everything but those were okay, scandals are still going to happen everywhere. And it still derails people because we have this kind of thing in us that just where we're just expressing our sexuality in really unhealthy and harmful, sinful ways. And so we've got to guard against that. We've got to figure out a way to guard against that. And unfortunately, this is where we get out of balance. I can say all those things agree again with the basic theological concepts of youth group and college ministry and those kinds of things. I can agree with the theological framework. But at the point in which we believe, hey, you know what the answer to all of our problems with our bad perspective on sex is, is to just not. What if we just didn't? Just, well, the Bible says don't do it, so don't. If that were, if that were enough to have a healthy perspective, then Christians wouldn't have these problems. You know, they'd be like, okay, I think I'm, I'm thinking about it, expressing my sexuality in an unhealthy way. Wait, the Bible says I shouldn't, so I won't. It doesn't work because there's something even more unhealthy that, 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 that's causing that. And so we can't just live in a world that just focuses on what sex is not supposed to be. Because then here's what happens. And this is, I think, where, where the Christian culture gets really broken. And again, well, I'm going to say a few things about this. And you're going to be like, man, I need a lot more about that. And after uh, Brandy and I talk about LGBT stuff next week, we're going to spend the next two weeks kind of talking about this unhealthy thing that we have with sexuality and then um, keys steps to having a healthy expression of our sexuality. So it'll be a really good three-week time, but we're just kind of, again, just kind of introing it, also just kind of putting into this context of this kind of, this finding a good balance. If all we say is no, 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 don't, that's all we say, then you, then you can be given the impression, and I certainly had this impression growing up, and many of us did, that sex in and of itself is bad and there's something shameful about it that somehow, and you can even say, it's like, oh, you've got this desire for sex, but you got to learn to control it because it, it's, it's, it's the, you got, you've got these urges and they feel natural and you got to learn to control them. And you can begin to believe that the urges themselves are unhealthy as opposed to recognizing that these are things that God has, has placed in each and every one of us. And so what we're going to do now is we're just going to jump from, again, we looked at a few verses that talk about, hey, you got to be make sure you're not expressing your sexuality in an unhealthy way. But that is not the only thing that the Bible says about sex. And I could pick any number of passages from Song of Solomon to express to you. And because I am who I am, I'm going to pick what I think is the best one, or maybe a better way of saying it, the most explicit one 
which some of you be like, well, that's the same thing. The most explicit one is in fact the best one. And to make sure that we kind of understand each other here, there are some metaphors that are used in Song of Solomon. A lot of them are water metaphors. There are springs and wells. And so if you think about the sex act, there is the male organ and it is a spring. The water springs out of it. And where does the water go? It goes into the well. And so guys have springs and women have wells, right? I mean, it's just, it's just very simple, not very complicated. There's also another metaphor that gets used a lot, and that is garden. And the, the, the woman in Song of Solomon is referring to her garden which is essentially the, 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 her entire private parts, the vagina, the clitoris, all of that. It's the garden. And not to get too descriptive here, I guess I got to get myself, I'm right by myself right now. I have Brandy here. I got to get used to just kind of talking about this in this context. I mean, like, there's all the hair down there and it's, it kind of looks, and it's like a garden, okay? So we got gardens, fountains, well, using all of these metaphors to describe the sex act And so with all of that, allow me to read this from her talking to her husband, um, Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse 16. Awake, north wind, and come, south wind, blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Now, if we were together live, I would take like a few seconds there and just kind of pause and stare at you. It's kind of one of my shticks when I say something that's kind of like shocking, but I don't know. Dead air seems a little bit weird in a podcast. I'm just sitting here by myself and all of a sudden it's like, like, I don't know. Anyways, think about that for a second. Blow on my garden is what she says to her husband. Let my lover come into the garden and taste the fruits. I mean, you get that, right? I mean, that's not, I mean, but once you understand what a garden is, I mean, you, it's pretty straightforward. That is the most incredibly straightforward verse on oral sex between a man and a woman in marriage that could be said. And so we all need to make sure that you know, we understand the world that we live in. We live in a world where God put that verse in his Bible. He put an entire book in there that is about the courtship of this man and this woman and a significant part that is about their sexual relationship. And when describing their sexual relationship in the Bible, a book that God said should be in the Bible, God put this book in the Bible and in the writing of this book, put a verse in there that is about as explicitly as one can say, advocates for oral sex. Now, if that makes you uncomfortable, if that makes you feel a little bit weird, if that makes you feel a little bit queasy, then we need to understand, okay, we still got kind of a little bit of this kind of shame around sex in us that there is something shameful about healthy expressions of sex and sexuality. It's just not that, it's not that we don't just fear unhealthy expressions of sexuality. We have just a broad fear and shame around sex itself. And so it is important for us as we think about, hey, I want to have a healthy, balanced view of sex and sexuality that I put these two, I, that, I, that, I, that I live between these two extremes. It's, I, I, I want to, I, I can go wrong I can go wrong by indulging in an unhealthy way, but I can also go really, really wrong and outside of what the Bible is teaching 
by believing that sex in and of itself is scary, wrong, and appropriate. God deemed it very appropriate and dedicated an entire book of the Bible to it and celebrating it and describing it in fairly graphic ways. And by graphic, I don't mean anything negative. I say explicit. And I say explicit. I don't mean explicit. Graphic and explicit are not negative words. Vivid. How about vivid? That doesn't have any bad connotation. Vivid. Vivid. Vividly describing the sex act between a man and a woman. And so God created us. He created us as sexual people. He created sex not simply for procreation. He created sex for pleasure. Again, because here in Song of Solomon, verse four, chapter 4, verse 16, we have a sex act here described that does not lead to procreation. Um, it is just about intimate physical connection between a husband and his wife and the sexual and physical pleasure that comes from that. And so if you find yourself here on a jog and you just fell off the, you just fell off the path or you just crashed the curb because of all the garden talk or whatever, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's kind of unusual. It's, it's kind of weird to see that you listen to a Christian podcast and, and, and you hear somebody talk, especially if you know me. Like it's, it's like it, it, it can feel weird. It can feel uncomfortable. And it's that kind of thing that I think has led to so many of the problems that the church and individual Christians have around sex and sexuality because we've decided that it's uncomfortable to talk about, because we've decided that it's weird, because we've attached a measure of shame to it, we feel uncomfortable talking about it. Because we're uncomfortable talking about it, we don't understand it. And because we don't understand it, we end up expressing it in unhealthy ways. Because I don't know the difference between healthy and unhealthy because I've never felt the freedom to talk about it. I don't know what urges I have are healthy and which ones are unhealthy if all of them are unhealthy. So here's an analogy that I love to use, and I love to use it with my daughter, Layla, about my daughter, Layla. We'll be driving around. She'll be sitting there in the back seat. She's like, Dad, I want to drive. Like, what's my response to that? What's my response to that? Do I get mad at her? Do I get mad at her? How dare you? How dare you want to drive? You are only 10 years old, and you do not have a license, and you sit back there in that back seat. How? No, 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 no. No, that's actually, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, it's a, it's a symbol of freedom and it's, and it looks fun. Of course she wants to, but she's 10. And so like, Oh, I get it. And someday you'll get to, and it'll be great, but we got to wait a few years. It's a very normal thing. But if I respond by freaking out, well, now, now we've made just driving and talking about, it, we've made it unhealthy. And so when someone says who maybe is not married, man, I want to have sex. Like, I'm sure you do. It looks really fun. I'm sure. And it feels, it feels great. It's a good thing. Just got to wait. Just wait. Your time will come. It'll be good. And we, and, we, and we have to learn to speak about sex and sexuality in positive ways because it's a very positive thing that God has given us because the more we can kind of speak positively about it and have a positive, healthy attitude towards it, the more conversations we're having and the more conversations we're having and the more open and the more clear we can be about it, the fewer things happen in secret and the fewer unhealthy expressions of it we have. And so we think about failing sexual. We almost exclusively think about um, indulging in an improper way. But in fact, the indulging in an improper, where does that come from? It very often comes from a lack of understanding. It comes from a place of shame. It comes from a place of fear. And we've got to make sure in the way that we talk about sex and sexuality that we are not bringing extra fear and shame around the issue but we recognize fully that God created this in us. He created it both for procreation and for pleasure. 
And to feel pleasure and to desire that pleasure, to want that pleasure is a very healthy thing. And the more we can affirm it as healthy, then we have a greater platform for um, helping them people talk about, okay, well, here though are the healthy ways for you to express that. And when, when we just, but, when, but instead when we have the, the attitude of when a person who is not married expresses a desire for sex, expresses something that is, you know, makes it very clear that they want sex or they, they have this strong desire. If, if, we, if we attach shame to that, then it becomes a problem. Now there's somebody, like, I can't talk to you about this thing that's very natural. And even if they end up agreeing with you at that young age, oh yeah, this is a problem, it's a problem. You don't suddenly get married one day and get rid of the shame. The shame is still there. You don't, you don't, pastor says I do and signs a piece of paper doesn't get rid of 10 years of shame that have built up from an unhealthy perspective. And so we want to do the best that we can right now with ourselves as we're talking to people younger than us, talking to our kids, of just kind of helping them understand that the Bible has more to say about sex than where you shouldn't have it. Max talks about where you should. It talks a lot about how healthy and great connecting with your partner sexually can be. And the more comfortable we get talking about that, um, the healthier our perspectives will be and the better I think we will be in the long term of not having Christians, pastors expressing their sexuality in unhealthy ways. Again, for lack of a better word, this is just a teaser for a longer discussion about this that Brandy and I will have over the next three weeks. But I think it's important for us to get into the right mindset before we even begin to kind of have these deeper conversations. You need to understand that when we're talking about it, we're not talking about it from a place of sex is bad and we've got to figure out how to manage this bad thing. We're also not coming from a place as like, hey, just bro, just do whatever you want, do whatever feels right. That we understand that the Bible limits the way that we express our sexuality, but sex in and of itself is a beautiful gift from God. And learning to have a healthy heart and mind around it and also choosing then to then express it in the way that God says is healthy and life affirming for us. That's where the life is. We talked about it with money, but you can talk about, we talk about it with this issue as well. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, I'm going to choose to honor God, follow God's path with this, and I'm going to be content with the life stage that I'm currently at. And with that, I will have great gain. And so we've got to learn to get our mind and our hearts right around sex, and then our bodies will follow. But if all we're doing is trying to constrict and control people's bodies without really making sure that they have a healthy heart and mind perspective around it, then we're going to continue this cycle that we just see day after day, week after week, unfortunately, and the church as a whole. And so I know you have a lot more questions and thoughts about that. And I promise you we'll have three great um, conversations to kind of help us explore this issue even further. And so thank you so much for joining us for this and being a part of this week, a part of this series. And as always, we'd love to connect with you. You can find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect for all the form. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning if you're local or you can join us streaming on live if you're not. Either way, we would love to connect with you. And again, thanks for being here with us. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor, and we'll see you next week. 